It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. Coming up in the uh, third half of our three-hour tour, this is really fascinating. Um, author Jonathan Woods will be joining me by phone. His book is called Hog Wild, and it's been described as the illegitimate offspring of a menage a trois among Orwell's Animal Farm, George Miller's The Road Warrior, and Verna Bloom of Animal House and High Plains Drifter fame. Interesting, to be sure. But that's not all. We've got uh, some other great uh, great offerings as well coming up in the middle, the, the second half of our three-hour tour, if you will. Um, we're going to be talking with uh, Manny Teodoro, and he's uh, got a book that I think a lot of people from, well, from close to home here, where, where this show is based in Flint, Michigan, will find uh, of interest. The book is called Profits of Distrust, Citizen Consumers, Drinking Water, and the Crisis of Confidence in American Government. And... Uh, It'll be interesting to see what he has to say about Flint after the research he's he's done and has gone into his uh, his book. Manny Teodoro coming up in about an hour. But we start out this morning with a uh, very interesting uh, conversation with the author of a duology. <laughs> I've never heard it referred to as that. It's usually, you know, books one, you know, part one and part two. Um, of a two-part series, and uh, that's exactly what we have in the books by Victor Aquista, and I'll be talking with him in about a minute and a half. The um, the new book is Revelation, but it's that's actually uh, book two um, of what's being called the uh, the Saga of Venom and Flame duology. Book one was Serpent Rising, and it received the best New Age fiction in the 2021 International Book Awards. And so we'll be talking with uh, uh, Victor about his new book and about the uh, series and about duologies and trilogies and series and writing and a number of other things coming up in in just a few minutes. Then tomorrow on the show, uh, tomorrow's an encore from Before the Pandemic which uh, is going to be sort of a send-up for this weekend's Crim Festival of Races, the big event Saturday. And uh, I have as guests in the first hour tomorrow from a show back in 2018, the uh, race director, Andrew Younger, but he's accompanied by the race founder, uh, 
Bobby Krim himself, and we also talk a little bit with the director of the uh, um, Boston Marathon about the uh, Boston Marathon bombing and um, a number of other things. Also on tomorrow's show, we're going to have the Tom Sumner Program studio players uh, doing the Maltese Falcon and musical guest Todd Gilbert. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is... um, the author of a uh, a new book, it's the second book in the saga of Venom uh, and Flame duology. Uh, book one in the series was Serpent Rising. The book is called Revelation, and it um, an interesting combination of things that, that wrangles with... Uh, near-apocalyptic events orchestrated to bring about a new world order. The author is Victor Aquista. I think I'm saying that right. And he joins me by phone. Victor, good morning and welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning, Tom. Thanks so much for inviting me to the show and uh, shout out a thanks to your listeners for tuning in. Um, let Let me ask about this. You did a certain amount of research um, in in developing this uh, this book, and it makes reference to the new world order. And I I hear about that. I read about it. What does the new world order look like? Well, this concept um, I can't recall when it first came into public discourse. Uh, it's it's generally um, meant. Uh, to refer to plans um, by powerful elites to establish a a new world. (laughs) Um, Now, these elites are uh, very powerful and are shaping that new world to meet their um, agenda and to be beneficial for them, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's beneficial for the rest of the world. So that that's at least uh, partly what what the book is about, um, and and certainly, um, you know, people who are familiar with that will appreciate those references. But but people who who are hearing it for the first time will will understand quite readily uh, what we're talking about. Yeah, the idea is that uh, as as you point out, wealthy elites um, set up a. Uh, uh, global governance with them at the helm. Yeah, that, that certainly is, is, uh, is one way of thinking about it. Uh, I've extended it a little bit further in the book with the uh, genetic ma- manipulation of, um, of humans um, that will provide these rulers with a better human being. However, that's very much subject to interpretation. Uh, I don't think you and I would view that as a better human being. Well, the, um, the idea of, of uh, building a better human is not new. No, I agree. <laughs> 
in in this book um and, and i'm not sure if i if i actually understood this um very well this is the second book of a duology is that um are there just two bo- yeah. books a book and its sequel and and that's the end of the series or um, I always ask yeah. writers if you get to the end of the book and think, but wait, there's more. <laughs> well, well, I think duology is, is kind of a funny word. You keep familiar with a trilogy. You know, that's three books in a series. So a duology is just two. In, in truth, this was one story in my head, and it was too lengthy uh, to incorporate into a single book. So there was a natural break point, as it turns out, right around where half of the book was was done. And so that became book one. And book two just picks up the story. But it it picks it up at a point where uh, the protagonist in her character arc has achieved um, a, a milestone. So without having read book one, it's it's hard to fully appreciate the, the character arc and and the story arc, because the, the story actually has roots in antiquity, uh, with uh, with forces powerful forces who wanted to be controlling knowledge, uh, suppressing other people and individuals and groups that wanted knowledge to be freely available to all. And as a result, the uh, people who were controlling knowledge and suppressing the ones who wanted to release knowledge were able to exercise control because they held that, that knowledge. And historically, this is, this is, uh, we know this to be true, uh, and it, is, it has occurred through government, through religion, through all sorts of um, you know, powerful parts of civilization suppressing other parts of civilization. You know, as you as you explain it and as you describe it, Victor, um, the the two books um, in the the saga of Venom and Flame, um, Revelation and um, what was the name of the first book? Serpent Rising. Serpent, Serpent Rising. Rising. Thank you. Thank you. First book. Yes. Um, it. it Maybe duology is the right word because you're really talking about in this particular case um, one book in two parts. Sure. Do, sure. So oh, do, it, it, it's a perfectly fine word. It's just that a lot of people aren't familiar with it, and, uh, and they say, "What? What? What is that all about?" But well, and I people think people who've been listening will understand it now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, and and I think it's an appropriate word um, in this in this instance, because a lot of times when I talk to writers, especially writers who have one or more lengthy series going, um, you know, four plus books in a series. Um, they always kind of want to make the point um, that they're not serials. Um, you know, that the the books are standalone books, but it really sounds like in this particular case, you want to get both books and read the two books as one story. 
I, I think that's the way to really fully appreciate the, um, the, the story. And you're correct, a lot of uh, writers who have a series, they're taking some of the same characters, but then telling a new story in you know the next book in the series and so on. So they, they are effectively standalones. But in, in this case, um, book one, you know, it, it's actually, let me step back for a second. Sure. It's hard to fully characterize the, the two books. Uh, there are thriller elements, adventure elements. There are mystery, suspense. It's a lot of metaphysical, a lot of mythology. And, um, you know, you, I think the best encapsulation is an adventure thriller. Well, a lot of the adventure is in book one, which has the classic narrative structure of a hero's journey. And in any hero's journey, there's uh, the, the heroine, in this case, um, is being called out of their regular world and drawn into the adventure part. And that adventure is fraught with challenges and difficulties and setbacks and obstacles and eventually they return back to their starting point, transformed and changed. Um, and you know, we see this, for instance, in The Hobbit. That's classic hero's tale. Um, Bilbo's kind of just an ordinary hobbit. Gandalf shows up, invites him to become a burglar on this grand adventure, and he's changed by the time he comes back. Uh, same is true for the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy, you know, gets whisked off into the magical land of Oz, and by the time she returns, she she's changed. So that's uh, the narrative structure of Book One. But once the heroine is, um, you know, transformed, she's transformed into a, a fully realized Candelaria warrior. The the Candelaria were an ancient sect of lightbringers who were thought to be extinct. They carry the flame of truth and, and shine light in the darkness of falsehood. Because the, the, I'm, I'm going a little bit off tangent here, but the underlying premise for the entire series is that mankind has difficulty distinguishing truth from falsehood. And as a result, that makes us vulnerable to manipulation through misinformation, lies, propaganda, <laughs> mind control techniques. So all of this has been since antiquity, and it uh, plays out very much in our current um, you know, culture wars and uh, you know, what we see through fake news and, and um, media misinformation and spin and, and what have you. So it's very current in the um, things that I'm pointing to that I want readers to think about. I want readers to think about these things. Every time I, I write a, a novel, there's an underlying uh, social messaging that, that I'm trying to, uh, or I'm, I'm inviting readers to, to give some thought to and uh, um, you know, hopefully engage them that way. In, in, in a provocative way. More with author Victor Aquista, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Victor Aquista straight ahead. In in this particular um, story, uh, does it adhere to a, a specific time and place? Well, yes, it's, it's, it's modern times, very much uh, modern times. The um, historical roots of this conflict, which I've characterized as the Great War of the Two Serpents, um, you know, I, I mention it, but I, I never go back. I never do any time shifting or, um, you know, as, as is true in some stories, you get the backstory by, you know, shifting to a different time period. But no, all of this is current, and um, I don't specifically uh, mention current events, but um, people will, will readily identify with what's going on in, in the world. And I, I should have added, book two is, is very much a thriller. It's, it's very fast-paced. There's a lot going on as the Illuminati, who are the bad guys, um, are orchestrating worldwide catastrophic events as part of their efforts to cull humanity. And we're, we're talking a major cull, billions of people. Um, and and, and this, to to what end? Either in um, uh, in in the minds of real people who might be contemplating these things, or uh, in the minds of the characters in your book. Um, what is the purpose of shrinking global population? Well, um, in, in, for, for one thing, it's getting more and more difficult and unwieldy to manage um, the, the billions of humanity. Uh, there are uh, voices of dissent, as it were, and... Um, the the people orchestrating this want to have fewer people, but they also want to um, introduce over a couple of generations um, new humans who have improved genetic profile who aren't um, well they're they're easier to control <laughs> to sleep it that way. Because uh, uh, if I if I explain it further, I'd be revealing some major plot. Well, yeah, we don't we don't want to do any spoiler alerts. Any, no spoilers, right? Um, but um, in this, um, I'm I'm curious how this story came to you. I'm fascinated by the creative process, but how did this story present itself to you? Yeah, that, that's a great question, um, and I think I have a, a pretty good answer. Um, I wanted to write um, a story exploring this theme of mankind's difficulty distinguishing truth from falsehood, and I wanted to have a female protagonist, and I wanted her to be seriously flawed, because I don't think it's it's interesting to have you know, a kind of a perfect hero or heroine who, who doesn't have any serious flaws. And uh, it came to me partly through conversation with a friend, and his mother was seriously ill, or she had just passed away, 
and he was talking about her, and he, she was a nurse, she was a healer, and he mentioned that she was a Candelaria, and I thought that that was an honorary title, I, and I said, oh, that's just wonderful, a Candelaria carrying, you know, the flame, um, but in fact, it's just a last name. However, when I, when I heard that and I thought it was a title, it gave me the idea to make the protagonist a candelaria carrying the flame of truth to illuminate against the darkness of lies. And so I had the idea for the story and the character, but it needed something to click into place to say, well, how am I going to tell this story? And then essentially it, it, it uh, unspooled in my mind that this character... Uh, was to be initiated into a, this Candelaria sect, a secret order of light bringers, who was thought to be extinct. But her initiation ceremony when she was a child, age 11, went horribly wrong and was extremely traumatic to her. And she didn't know what was going on. It was conducted by a Navajo shaman. And what what happened is she developed PTSD. And so when the story opens, she's uh, jobless, pill-popping, dysfunctional, and she's kind of snarky. She's, she's not very likable, but it's intended to be that way. And her psychiatrist says, look, you've you got to go back to the Navajo reservation and, and confront your great aunt, she was the shaman, and say, why did you do that? What, what was going on? And then what, what happens, it, this is a little bit of a spoiler for book one, her great aunt is dead. And so, but she had left clues behind saying, you know, that, that she needed to undergo training. And while it, it seems like her dysfunction is related to PTSD, it's more related to having a destiny that she's not in sync with. She's not really living the life she is destined to to have, um, and as she goes through her her journey of uh, development, it involves chakra opening. She has to go to different places in the world for these things to to happen. But by the end of book one, she is you know she's she's really firing on all cylinders, and now she's tasked with this this terrible, you know, this very, very difficult task of combating uh, a group of powerful um, people who are causing a lot of bad things to happen. This is kind of parenthetical, Victor, but when you were writing these books, um, did you write it as, as one story and submit it and have a publisher tell you to break it into two parts, or did you know as you were writing it that you were writing two parts of a bigger story? Well, after I uh, w was well into writing it, I realized it had to be two stories. And I wrote the first one, and I submitted that uh, and um, was able to get a publisher who gave me a, a two-book deal. So they were accepting book one, but saying, you, you know, you have to finish the story now, which worked out well for me 
because uh, I, I was able to write the second book with the full knowledge that I already had a publishing deal for it. Well, yeah, that, that'll, that'll get you up in the morning and <laughs> at the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but let, let me ask this, and I ask a lot of writers this question, and we touched on it a little bit, and it, and it sounds like this was a blend of two, but I, I often ask if, if the story came first and then the characters were cast in the story like the way a movie might be done, or if the characters, if you had characters in mind and then developed um, the kinds of things that would happen to them. Um, and it, it sounds like initially it was a little of both, like like the story, uh, at least the, the, the overarching story, and, and Serena sort of happened simultaneously. Well, yes, ab- absolutely is a little bit of both because I knew the the premise or, or the theme that I wanted to explore and that that, that plot involving powerful uh, people who were you know holders of knowledge who could use that to uh, their advantage. Uh, against the masses of humanity, as it were, so that that was a you know loose uh, plot that I wanted to tell the story through, but I needed the right character to do it, and um, it had to be female because of the uh, long-standing imbalance between masculine um, energies, as it were and suppression of the divine feminine. And the, the whole concept of balance is very important to me, balance and harmony. So we had to balance light and dark, good and evil, uh, man, masculine and feminine, yin and yang. It's all uh, represented in the, in the symbol on the front cover of, of both books. Because of the elements of, of trying to find truth in in um uh, believe in in truth how do you how do you work that that theme into a book and and make up things that um that that people would believe but we know are not true well uh, <clears throat> i just wrote a an essay that w- was published yesterday, as it turns out, on how to blend fact and fiction, <laughs> what, is, what is real, what is not real, when you're writing a thriller. And I, I think that you, you have certain things, I think, that are widely accepted that you can um, say are factual. And they could be known historical things, they could be wrapped up in the setting where you're naming buildings or you're representing things that are easily uh, researched and found to be factual. Then when you want to blend in something that you've made up, it has a lot more credibility. Uh, Versimilitude is is an interesting word. It means 
believable. And so you have to have the right combination of things to make a story believable. But it's also problematic because a lot of things that are represented as factual, well, they're not necessarily resourced or, or uh, you can't really prove them. And it's difficult, it is difficult for us to distinguish between truth and falsehood, fact and fiction. That's why <laughs> we're, we're, you know, in a, in a little bit of a mess in some respects. <laughs> well, especially <laughs> in this era of alternative facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you said it, and I agree. It's, uh, you know, it's hard. I think most people would, would agree that, you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. That's not too controversial. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago that most people believed the earth was flat. There still are some people who believe the Earth is flat. Well, and so, and it could be considered controversial as to whether the Earth is uh, orbiting the Sun or vice versa. Well, and what happened to the people who who uh, disclosed that no, 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 the Earth is not the center? Well, they they got persecuted. They you know got um, ridiculed. I mean, this is the history when you are presenting a different way of thinking about something or a different belief system that challenges the prevailing belief system. Uh, if it if it ruffles the wrong feathers, you know, you're going to be accused of heresy or something. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you know, you can we can laugh about it, but it's not funny. You you get death threats. You get all sorts of uh, people coming after you. For having believing things, or was saying no, what 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 we're being told is not true. Uh, it's it's a it's tr- it's hard to um, not recognize that we're we're beholden to our beliefs, and if they're based on stuff that's not true. That could take us to a bad place. Could. It doesn't have to, but it could. My guest is Victor Akista, and he is the author of the Saga of Venom and Flame duology. Book one in the series was Serpent Rising. Book two, Revelation, is uh, what we've been talking about, although it's hard to talk about one of these two books without talking about the other. Um Victor, we're we're getting close to the end of our time, and I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface talking about this incredible story. Well, it took two books to tell it. Um, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Sure. The, the website is uh, my name, Victor Aquista, uh, that's spelled A-C-Q-U-I-S-T-A dot com. I have a Facebook author page, Victor Aquista author, Twitter handle at Victor Aquista, Instagram at Victor Aquista, have a YouTube channel. Um, there's a lot of interesting backstory content on my website under the tab called Podblog, where I you know, talk about the 
cover symbol. I talk about shamanism, which is you know throughout the book, uh, well both books. I talk about uh, things like destiny, and there's just some interesting background. It's like when you have a DVD and you have the extra tracks where the director or the actors are interviewed, and you learn more about you know that particular movie. What's what's next for Victor Aquista? And I said it right that time. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, it actually comes from Italian acquistati, which means to acquire. Um, so it's it's a see. I was thinking a different I, kind I, of name. I was uh, thinking more the Latina. Yeah, it, well, it, it has I'll, that look to it. Well, the main character is is. Uh, uh, part Mexican, part um, Native American, so that it makes it people think even more that I'm, you know, have Latin blood in me. And maybe I do, who knows. <laughs> um, what's next for me? Well, the book that, that just came out, Revelation, is my fifth. I've written a sixth, and I'm working on my seventh, which, which is contemporary fiction. But if, you know, people research me, they'll see that I, I have a couple of nonfiction books. I have a science fiction book. Uh, novel. Actually, that that one's being translated into German right now. Um, so I'm keeping myself busy writing and uh, you know trying to stay out of trouble. Do you do you like the um, the interaction with uh, with people involved with uh, uh, being successful with your writing? Writing is a very solitary thing. Do you do you like interacting with people, doing book signings and readings and interviews like this one? Very much so. In fact, I have a, a tab on my website for book clubs. I love to uh, zoom in and join book club discussions. I, 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 I like to interact with fellow author colleagues and, and certainly readers. Uh, it's, it's really a privilege um, to have people interested in your work and to sit down and talk to them about it. I, I love to do that. But you're right. Writing is is generally very solitary, and um, we have a lot. You know, there's a lot of alone time. Well, Victor, I I really appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners, and uh, I I I thank you, and I encourage you to keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk together with you, and and it was it was wonderful. So thanks. Right. Take care. Bye now. That was, uh, in fact, Victor Aquista, and um, the book, the the new book is Revelation. It is part two of the saga of Venom and Flame, which uh, started with the um, the book uh, Serpent Rising. That was part one of uh, basically a two part series. Uh, in any event, we're going to take a short break, and we've got more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner. Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. 
it will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. It was back last October, I believe it was. We are going to hold a tent service off at this college town. And we got there about dinner time on Saturday. And uh, different ones of us thought that we ought to get us a mouthful to eat before that we set up the tent. And so we got off of the truck and followed this little bunch of people through this small little bitty patch of woods there. And we come up on a big sign. It says, get something to eat here. And uh, I went up and got me two hot dogs and a big orange drink. And before that I could take every mouthful of that food, this whole raft of people come up around me and got me to where I couldn't eat nothing, up like, and I dropped my big orange drink. I did. Well, friends, they come in to move, and they want so much that I could do but move with them. Well, we commenced to go through all kinds of doors and gates, and I don't know what all, and I looked up over one of them, and it says North Gate. And we kept on going through there, and pretty soon we come up on a young boy, and he says, ticket, please. And I says, friend, I don't have a ticket. I don't even know where it is that I'm going. <laughs> I did. Well, he says, come out as quick as you can. And I says, I'll do her. I'll turn right around the first chance I get. <laughs> well, we kept on a moving through there, and pretty soon everybody got where it was that they was a going because they parted, and I could see pretty good. I, I, I could. And what I seen was this whole raft of people a setting on these two banks and a looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. <laughs> Well, there was, and somebody had tucked and drawed white lines all over it and drove posties in it, and I don't know what all, and I looked down there, and I seen five or six convicts a-running up and down and a-blowing whistles. There was. And then I looked down there, and I seen these pretty girls a-wearing these little bitty short dresses and a-dancing around, and so I sat down and thought I'd see what it was that was going to happen. I did. And about the time I got set down good, I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. <laughs> they did. And everybody where I was a setting got up and hollered. And about that time, 30 or 40 come running out of the other end of that outhouse and the other bank full, they got up and hollered. And I asked this fellow that was besetting beside of me, I says, friend, what is it that they're hollering for? Well, he whopped me on the back and he says, buddy, have a drink. <laughs> well, I says, I believe I will have another big orange. <laughs> and I got it and sat back down. And when I got down there again, I seen that them men had got in two little bitty bunches down there. <laughs> they had rail close together. And they voted. <laughs> they did. They voted and elected one man apiece. And them two men come out in the middle of that cow pasture and shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. And then a convict come over to where they was a standing and he took out a quarter and they come in to odd man right there. <laughs> they did. Well, 
After a while, I seen what it was that there's odd man in for. It was that both bunches full of them men wanted this funny-looking little pumpkin to play with. <laughs> they did, and I know, friends, that they couldn't eat it because they kicked it the whole evening and it never busted. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, what I was telling was that both bunches full wanted that thing. And one bunch got it, and it made the other bunch just as mad as they could be. And friends, I seen that evening the awfulest fight that I have ever seen in my life. I did. They would run at one another and kick one another and throw one another down and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another and I don't know what all. And just as fast as one of them would get hurt, they'd tote him off and run another one. Well, they'd done that as long as I sat there. But pretty soon, this boy that had said, ticket, please, he come up to me and he says, friends, you're going to have to leave because it is that you don't have a ticket. And I says, well, all right. And I got up and left. And I don't know, friends, to this day what it was that there's a doing down there, but I have studied about it. And I think that it's some kindly of a contest where they see which bunch full of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without either getting knocked down or stepping in something. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. 